I'm Lonnie Edwards, the founder of The Dog Agency and Pet Insider, and you're listening to the Pet Insider Podcast. This is a show about the latest and greatest across the pet world. Whether you're a pet parent or just a little pet crazy, Pet Insider has you covered. We get it. We're obsessed too. We shouldn't be treating uh, these animals as if they were commodities, um, as if they were an item in the supermarket that we're, we're trying to buy and get in return if we don't like it. And, uh, and yet these are living things that are both loved and capable of loving that we're treating that way. That's it's pretty awful. That was Senator Giannaris, a New York State Senator working to improve the laws surrounding pets in New York State. Now let's get back to Senator Giannaris. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. So how did you get started in politics? Let's just go back to the beginning. When I was in college, I worked on a presidential campaign that was really driven by ethnic pride for me because my parents are immigrants from Greece. And my neighborhood of Astoria was back then even more Greek than it is today. There was a another child of Greek immigrants that was running for president uh, when Mike Dukakis ran. And I got involved and I just loved the ability to make a difference, the competitiveness, which is part of my personality. Um, and uh, it just fit with who I am really nicely. And now, many years later, I've had a real impact on people's lives and hopefully on animals' lives as well. How did animal rights become a part of your platform? Uh, well, I, I own two rescue cats at home, uh, and so I always had an affinity for animals. And the more I learned about it, the more I wanted to be involved and realize that how many animals are sitting in shelters without homes who would be terrific pets. Um, and yet there are people who are breeding them as if they were cans of soup that they put on the shelf, right? And selling them as products, um, which offended me. And uh, as I talked to a lot of the advocacy community to figure out what was the best way to deal with it, we've come out with a series of proposals that uh, hopefully deal with it. Um, And it's not just that. I also have introduced uh, legislation to ban declawing of cats in addition to dealing with the puppy mill problem. So we're always looking for ways to make lives better. Have you always just been a cat person or have you had dogs in your life? No, I, I'd love dogs and cats. Um, it is true. You can be both of those things. <laughs> you don't have to choose one or the other. Uh, I actually wouldn't mind having a dog, but my schedule makes it impossible. So I spent a lot of time in Albany. I live alone. So um, it would just be too difficult to maintain uh, a dog. Cats are much lower maintenance, as everybody knows. So I can, I can leave them home for a couple of days at a time and not worry about it. Cannot do that with a dog. No, <laughs> certainly not. Uh, so what is the Domestic Animal Welfare Committee and how did that come about? It's a new committee that we have in the Senate. It never existed before, but we just took the majority as the Democrats in the Senate. And as we were trying to realign the priorities of the House, it occurred to us that this is a huge subject area that was not uh, didn't have enough focus and dedication as it deserved. We also happen to have a new freshman member who um, is also an animal lover and is very focused on these issues, Senator Monica Martinez from Suffolk County, who... I don't think I'm talking out of school, but she has seven, um, seven uh, animals at home, dogs and cats, both and yet another person who can be both. And so it was a good fit to make her the chair of this new committee that is focused on the welfare of uh, dogs, cats, rabbits, what have you, the, the domestic animals, as we call them. And so getting into the Senate bill 4234, which is the puppy mill one. How did that come about and why now? Um, I was talking with a number of the advocates, um, and we've kind of been monitoring what was going on in other states that have addressed this issue. And we came up with a proposal to try and get at it. A big part of the problem, as I understand it, is that the USDA is just not doing its job. Um, they are not 
ensuring that the breeding community is full of responsible breeders. And there are a lot of irresponsible breeders that have now entered that space. Um, and rather than enforcing the federal regulations properly um, to make sure that doesn't happen, it's a little bit like the Wild West out there. So some are unlicensed in, in producing animals. Some are um, licensed but are just not um, – uh, the regulations are not enforced as often as they, they should be. Uh, and part of that is because they just don't haven't dedicated the resources at the federal level to enforcement. Uh, and part of it is just a lack of prioritization of, uh, of this issue. And as a result, now it's spilling into uh, these puppy mill retail stores that are selling, um, selling mostly dogs, but also to some degree cats um, that are furthering this awful aspect of the industry where animals are abused, mistreated, the um, the mothers are treated just as if they're um, pumping out a product, and so they they try and have them breed as often as possible until they're no longer capable of breeding, and they throw them out like a piece of trash. And some of the conditions are just awful. Oftentimes, the puppies that come out of it have health problems because they're not being maintained properly and, and given the attention, the health attention that they that they deserve. And so then grappling with what we can do at the state level to deal with that, since we can't regulate breeders who are in other states. As a state, uh, and what we've seen in other states that have tried to tackle this problem is trying to get at the retail store that is furthering the demand side of the equation. Um, and so that's where we came up with uh, the legislation to prohibit dogs, cats, and rabbits from being sold for profit um, at pet stores in an attempt to really put an end to the puppy mill, to the demand side of the puppy mill equation. And this seems like such an obvious positive, but is there, there must be opposition beyond the retail stores and what is their take on, how are they opposing it? Most of the opposition is from the retail stores, as you might imagine. And part of the challenge of what we always deal with is there are some responsible retail stores who are dealing with responsible breeders to do their work. And so carving out, we don't still want to, punish people who are doing things properly and correctly, but there are enough bad actors in the industry um, that, we're, that we're really trying to get at. And so trying to find that middle ground is often a challenge. But for me, the overriding interest is that we shouldn't be treating uh, these animals as if they were commodities, um, as if they were an item in the supermarket that we're, we're trying to buy and can return if we don't like it. And, uh, and yet these are living things that are both loved and capable of loving that we're treating that way. And it's, it's pretty awful. And so trying to get at that, the idea that you can walk past the store, look in the window and decide there's a, a living thing that you just want to buy and you could return it if you don't like it. And the way that the whole industry is geared towards um, uh, moving these animals as consumer products is something we're trying to tackle and encourage instead adoptions of, uh, of animals that need rescue. And there's plenty of them. Um, and so that's why the famous slogan is adopt, don't shop, right? Because we want to encourage people to adopt animals and we want to discourage them from shopping for animals. Going a little deeper into pets as property, why are pets seen as property under the law and what else can be done to try to further that? Probably because they don't have the ability to advocate for themselves. They are the voiceless. They can bark and meow, but they don't have, <laughs> they don't have voices uh, the way humans do. And so, um, I think people view them, and it's uh, part of the problem is at the consumer level, people who are w willing to participate in this kind of exchange um, where they treat these uh, these animals not as living things. Um, the commoditization of them, if you will, is the problem. And so we are trying hard to tackle that and 
send a message that philosophically it's not what we should be doing. We should be um, acting in a way that is respectful of, of the life that, that these animals have. Uh, and we're not doing that right now. And why it's a problem is because people are willing to mistreat or view their animals in a way that, uh, that that life doesn't deserve. Um, and so we're trying to tackle that both at the retail sale level, but also by way of educating people that they shouldn't be treating animals this way. Everything about the way we look at this is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what, we're tr- that's what we're trying to change. They, they are treated like products. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, the loss of a product as if you lost a TV set or something or the way that uh, one can purchase uh, Mm -hmm. these animals or return them if they don't like them. You know, it's it's it's, they are treated like commodities under the law and in practice Mm -hmm. and by human behavior. You know, there's a famous line that everyone uses. It's attributed to Gandhi, but it's not actually Gandhi that said it just kind of exists. And people keep repeating it, that uh, the values of a society are determined by how it treats its animals. Uh, and we're failing that right now. Um, and hopefully legislation like what I'm proposing will help move things in the right direction. And for states that have passed this type of legislation, have they then gone on to put forward further steps in the right direction? Or is this kind of... Well, it's, it's, pretty, it's a pretty new approach. Um, so California has done something. I think Maryland has done something. Um, but in neither place has it been around long enough to have taken effect and... and produce data that we can analyze and evaluate. So it's a little bit of a new approach uh, to this problem, but we're hoping New York could be out at the forefront of it. And is there any other opposition aside from the retail stores? Uh, That's predominantly uh, where it comes from. I imagine certain breeders (laughs) will also have uh, problems. So American Kennel Club and uh, and those institutions uh, are not happy either, but it's just, you know, there's no... There's no uh, legislation worth proposing that doesn't have some opposition and we try and work through it. And as I said earlier, not punish people who are doing things the right way, but also set policy in a broader sense that is worth doing. And so for the AKC, for example, is there opposition that the responsible breeders are also being affected or is there another angle? Yeah, look, the the biggest problem with all this comes down to the federal government, their lack of aggressive enforcement and regulation. Yes, there are responsible breeders that are worried they're going to get caught up in it, although the legislation specifically allows people to go directly to a breeder and continue to interact that way if they want a pure breeder, if there's a particular type of animal they want. But yes, I imagine many of them sell to retail stores and would be affected by it. And we're, we're not trying to get at people who are behaving ethically and responsibly. Mm. And that becomes the trick of my trade is, is coming up with a law that doesn't do that while also taking care of the bad actors, taking care, I mean, of getting rid of, <laughs> not actually taking care of them. Uh, and that's what we're trying to do. We're in that process right now. I've been meeting with, I just met this morning with a group of pet shop owners who are, um, suggest that they, take great care in the animals that they sell and deal with the breeders directly themselves so they know they're real responsible people. And of course, as I explained to them, the problem is not those of them that are doing things properly, but those that are not. And so that's the that's the challenge of what we're dealing with right now. And so what is the process now? So it was introduced and then what happened? It was introduced. It's sitting in the uh, Domestic Animal Welfare Committee. We're now engaging with advocates on all sides to see if there's anything we need to do to modify the approach we're taking. And then it will be up to Senator Martinez to decide if she puts it on a committee agenda to move through and get through the legislative process. But the session ends in a month, actually less than a month now. So we don't have a ton of time to figure all this out. We're working as fast as we can to get there. 
So what happens if it's not presented within a month? Uh, if it's not presented before the session ends, it will still be live at the next session, which begins in January. How long does this normally take? I've seen bills take uh, uh, days, and I've seen bills take years. Okay. So <laughs> it could be uh, it could be any uh, um, any of the above. Um, we just did some important legislative work in January of this year that had been sitting around for many many years. In other instances, we come up with something like. We also just are dealing with, yeah, way off topic here, but the president's tax returns and whether they're available, we ended up in a matter of weeks coming up with a proposal and passing it. So the the speed of the legislative process is variable. So it, it can move very quickly if everyone agrees and we can come to a solution quickly, or it could take a very long time or not even get done at all if we can't figure it out. Hopefully we're trying hard to put this on the on the fast track and get it get it done before we conclude in a month. So the other bill, 5532, related to the calling of cats. What was the reasoning behind that one? That, well, I am a cat, not owner, because we're careful not to say it that way, but I do have cats in my home. <laughs> and um, I've been working with Assemblywoman uh, Rosenthal on the first bill, on the uh, the puppy mill bill. And she has this cat declawing ban um, that she offered to me to carry in the Senate. And so... I agreed because I, I do think it's a brutal practice. Uh, most people think, well, I guess most people that do it think, I hope they think that it's less hurtful than it is. But in fact, it's not like, you know, going to the, get a manicure and getting your nails trimmed. It's actually cutting off the digit at the first knuckle would be the equivalent. Um, and so uh, it also takes away the very nature of these animals, which is to scratch and to be cats. And so we're trying to prohibit that practice, as many countries around the world have done, recognizing the brutality of it uh, for cats. And so uh, the origin was, it's something with which I have direct experience, and uh, and someone when Rosenthal is a big advocate who asked me to work with her on it, and I was happy to do it, because oftentimes you'll get the situation where people are more concerned about you know their couch being scratched than they are about the welfare of the actual animal that lives with them. And similar to the other legislation we discussed, it's something we're trying to to do to, uh, first of all, get at a, a significant problem, but also um, educate people about the proper way to to deal with animals in their lives. Are there other pet-related bills that are currently out there? Um, there there's lots of them. Uh, those are the two that I'm working on uh, most directly, but the committee exists because there are many, um, many issues uh, to deal with. We've I think just passed the bill increasing penalties for animal abuse and there's no shortage of ideas that um, that this new committee is dealing with. But they are, it is all geared towards the same goal, which is setting the tone that the animals we have in our lives are to be respected. We often say they're members of our families. Well, we should start treating them that way. And unfortunately, we're not doing that right now. Do you think New York's behind, ahead? Um, I think we're ahead in the conversation, but we're behind in the actual doing. And that's, you know, the fact that we have this committee and we're talking about these cutting edge proposals um, says to me that we're in the forefront of the debate. California's way out in front on it as well. I mentioned Maryland earlier. There are other states that are looking at a lot of these issues. And so we're talking about issues that are not really being talked about in a lot of places. But until we get it done, I won't tell you we're, we're leading the nation just yet. And why do you think we're behind in that piece? Because the committee was just enacted to start focusing. Well, I mean, for pure, from a purely political perspective, when the Republicans had the majority in the Senate, they had no interest in, in these issues. Um, why is that? 
I think the constituency, <laughs> yeah, they do. Uh, there was an effort, in fact, to um, to deal with uh, the puppy mill issue when the Republicans were in charge, and it fell flat because I mean, you'd be surprised the constituencies that they respond to that had concerns. So yeah, at a point where like hunters were <laughs> were concerned <laughs> because they actually wanted these animals. You know, there was actually the proposal I'm talking about. It wasn't so much puppy mill. It was about um, uh, TNR for cats, right? Trap neuter release. For cats and it was meant to encourage that but the and this boggled my mind when i heard it but i guess the hunters out there wanted the cat population to keep reproducing so there would be more animals out there it was just you'd be surprised the strange opposition that emerges to some of these things but the concerns that i guess the previous majority had and the and the types of constituencies they responded to are different than ours and we are putting a greater priority and emphasis on protecting the animals as i gather you did from from talking to you before we went on you know i practiced law for a while and it was not as fulfilling yeah it was more lucrative but not as fulfilling and now i get to do things every day that impact people's lives and hopefully animals lives and make our society better um, and so it's much more satisfying because i found myself Waking up every morning and realizing that my day's work consisted of helping one big corporation get some more money out of another big corporation. And it wasn't really why I think I'm alive. <laughs> and, and so I left that to get into public policy and do the kinds of things I'm doing that affects not only animals' lives, but people's lives. We just had major criminal justice reform that I was largely responsible for. I'm very proud of that. And that's just one of many things I've done that Give me fulfillment. Do you work with uh, like the Animal Legal Defense Fund or any of those organizations? Nonprofits? Yeah, we've been, there are a number of advocacy groups that, that work in Albany. The SPCA is obviously one of them. That's where we met. Yeah, exactly. We met at that press conference. Um, but there are others that have some great advocates. Uh, the group that represents shelter owners um, is another one. We try hard to work with the experts who know more about this than I do. Um, to find the best approach forward. Um, but there are a lot of good people who care about this issue and uh, are focused on it, and they've been a pleasure to work with. What can listeners do to help? Well, if they're in New York, they can contact their representatives in the Assembly and the Senate and tell them to support these bills. Um, that's probably the, the best thing they can do. If they're from outside New York, um, then find people that they know in New York. They themselves can, non-New Yorkers can always contact uh, their legislators in New York, but that has less of an impact, obviously, than a constituent. Um, and so if they, it would almost be better that they contact someone they know in New York to contact their legislator rather than someone from Kentucky or wherever contacting us directly. But it's advocacy. Uh, we're trying to educate people about the importance of this and tell them that we want them to pass these bills. So after these two pass, what's next on your list to address? Well, I mentioned earlier, we're trying to deal with uh, people who abuse animals, right? So the things we talked about today are people who maybe don't even realize they're creating an environment that is um, unhealthy and, and unfair to animals. But there are people who are just sick people who abuse animals purposefully and intentionally. So we're trying to make sure that the punishment fits the crime, that we treat it as a crime uh, and the, with the severity it deserves. And by the way, that goes for people who aren't necessarily animal people because someone who's willing to abuse a dog or a cat is more likely to abuse a human as well. And so you end up dealing with um, a bigger problem when you get at someone who is, you know, it's the old metaphor about the kid who's, when the kid who's ripping the wings off of flies is probably going to grow up to be a problem. Um, but someone who abuses animals um, is also likely to be a problem in other ways. And so we 
we could treat that with the severity that it deserves, I think that will go a long way. Pets being treated as property, do you think that will shift out of traditional property anytime soon? Uh, we can hope. Uh, right now, unfortunately, so much is geared towards looking at them that way. And so I think the prohibiting the sale is a big way of, of getting at that. But we have a lot of educating to do. We have a long way to go to get, get people in the right frame of mind about these animals that once they're in our lives are loved, but unfortunately the policies are not reflective of that. Um, and it allows too much abuse to happen at the hands of people who don't care about them as much and, and are happy to, you know, there was the awful um, video that went viral about the woman who just tossed a bag of puppies in the trash. Uh, and fortunately, a passerby heard them um, yelping and, and pulled them out and, and saved them. But they're just people who don't, view animals as worthy of protecting um, and they are awful people and uh, and it is not the way we need to be but what we're trying to get at right now is the on the consumer end for lack of a better word uh, people who are furthering that approach by their behavior either in purchasing these animals or in getting their cats declawed in the example of the other bill um, who maybe don't think or are turning a blind eye to what they're what environment they're helping to create. And so if we could nip it at that level, um, we could start setting the tone for other proposals. What percentage of cats are declawed? Is that like the majority? When is that done? It, it's a good question. I don't know the answer to that uh, offhand, but it can be done at any point in time. Do people usually choose to do it or is it usually done before they're No, I think it's, it's, it's generally speaking, as I understand it, it's people who are upset that their furniture is getting scratched and, and take their cat in to be declawed. Uh, one thing that surprised me about it is of all people, the veterinarians are opposed to the bill and they believe that somehow it's a legitimate medical procedure that they perform humanely. And it's, I mean, uh, no one is suggesting that the surgery is, is it's in and of itself a problem in the sense that, you know, it's not like they're, you know, yes, the animals are put under anesthesia. Right. Right? They don't but, actually feel it. Right. But it's the after effects of it. It's the, um, the fact that you are stripping these animals of a part of their body essentially um, and denying them just an instinctive part of their very being, mm -hmm. which is the instinct to, to scratch and, and to have the, tools that nature has provided them to protect themselves. And, and so, I mean, if, for example, if a declawed cat is allowed out as well, it's not an indoor cat, then that cat is at risk because it can't even defend itself mm -hmm. against other animals on the street. So there's a host of problems with it. And generally it's done for the convenience of the person who has the, uh, the animal. And that's just an awful way to be. We wouldn't do that to, uh, uh, we certainly, I hope wouldn't do that to a human, but <laughs> Um, but the idea that you're worried about a piece of furniture and therefore you're going to cut a piece of, of, a, yeah. of a cat's finger off doesn't seem like something we should allow. Thank you so <laughs> thank much you. for coming in. Yeah, thank you. That was Senator Giannaris, a New York State senator working to improve the laws surrounding pets in New York State. If you're a New York State resident, call your local representative and ask them to support Bills 4234 and 5532. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Please leave us a five-star review and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you have any pet-related topics you want us to cover, email us at podcast at petinsider.com. I'm Lonnie Edwards, and thank you for listening to the Pet Insider Podcast. Talk soon.